This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. We're here. We're locked and loaded into a really cool conversation. Today, I'm here in the virtual studio with another brilliant marketing leader. We're talking Fortune 78 on the Fortune 100. This brand is known around the world. And let me tell you a little bit about Jenna LaBelle. Jenna is the chief marketing officer of one of the most innovative marketing teams currently advertising across major media. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty Mutual. Liberty Mutual Insurance. If you don't know the tag or the phrase, you probably don't have electricity because everyone on the planet has heard their commercials. Um, we we use the term rock star a lot on this show and rightfully so since many of our guests qualify for the title. Um, but in the sea of rock stars, we can't help but think that, you know, you're one of the concert headliners of, of, all, of all time. So between your company's awesome advertising and his out-of-the-box partnerships, Jenna. We're thrilled to talk to you today and have you in the studio. Um, our audience is most likely familiar with the brand, but for those that are not, could you please describe your role as CMO and what you're focused on within Liberty Mutual? Of course, and thank you, Jeremy, for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here too. Uh, so I'm, I'm the chief marketing officer and I oversee all consumer-facing marketing for Liberty Mutual. Um, my role in the org really is to be the growth engine for the company. So that really means driving unaided brand awareness to keep Liberty top of mind. So it's intentional that we have four liberties in our jingle and also driving leads efficiently and profitably. So I'd say that's, that's the main role as the growth engine. Mm. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this in our prep call, but just what's it like from your perspective? Now, you've been at the brand 10 years or over 10 years now. Coming up on 10. Now, yeah. coming up on, okay, a decade, which is just one insane because to me, again, marketing leaders that stay somewhere says a lot about your marketing leadership. But what do you like? What's it like today in 2023 to just to be a modern day CMO? What's it like for you having been in the seat from all your experience? What is your, yeah, just your experience like at the helm of marketing now in 2023? No two days are alike. That is for sure. Um, I think there are a lot of challenges facing marketers uh, probably today more than ever. And so I would say um, it's it's a challenging environment to operate in, but an exciting one. And I think especially at a brand like ours where, you know, we are a little bit of a challenger brand in the category. And so um, this idea of sort of punching above our weight at every, uh, you know, turn is is super exciting. And really happy to, to be in the role for, for as long as I have been. And I think that, you know, no CMO would say their job is complete. There's always a lot more work to be done. And, and hopefully we'll, we'll get into some of that. So right out of the gate, we need to remind people that Liberty, Liberty Mutual is a 100 plus year old brand, right? This is a company that's been around for a long time, over 45,000 employees. And I would imagine that that alone presents a unique, a unique environment for you, a marketing leader with a legacy brand that also has had to evolve and change quite a bit with the times. Looking back at the beginning, kind of early days, outside looking in, like what are some of the opportunities that you saw like when initially taking that that chief marketing officer role in the company? I would say I saw 
two real opportunities. Um, you know, the first is the importance of consistent and clear communication internally. Um, and then the second is the need to break through externally, especially in this highly competitive category. So I would say much like our jingle, I believe in repetition um, and I believe repetition is really important, uh, you know, as a leader. So consistently and clearly communicating what your vision and priorities are to your team and partners, um, especially in a matrixed organization like ours, I think is just imperative to make sure everyone's aligned. Everyone knows how they can uniquely contribute to the shared success for the brand. I quickly learned in my in my um First days as CMO that, you know, every Liberty employee, uh, whether they're in marketing or not, take extreme pride in our brand. Um, And so it's on me to regularly communicate with them and bring them along on our brand journey. Um, and then I would say, yeah, the second one was just, you know, breaking through in this highly competitive category. I would say we've worked hard to establish well-known campaigns, some of our brand cues like our jingle and, and consistent messaging. And I think the opportunity I saw is really ensuring that we challenge ourselves to continue to push, um, to show consumers something new to break through that adapts uh, to the world that we're living in today and um, balancing the what's familiar and, and what works for us with, um, uh, you know, what would resonate with them. Wow. Is there a personal connection with just your life experience to, you know, being the challenger, kind of being the underdog, kind of like going at things and having to like fight for, you know, for market share, if you will, like, does that, is is there a personal connection to that, to that for you? Because it seems like you certainly attached onto it early at Liberty. And now, of course, you see how big of a deal it is to kind of be this challenger brand. But is there a through line like in early days, kind of Jenna, where like you felt like you were kind of like fighting that underdog fight? Yeah, I love that you asked this question, actually. Um, It's funny. I wear a bracelet every day that says build on it. Um, And I I think just like early on in my career, I started out in in tech startups and a startup agency and just knowing what it takes to bootstrap a startup and and really fight for, you know, for every every little inch. um, I think just carried I just carried that with me to this Fortune 100 environment. Wow. What are what are some of the like unique challenges that you face when managing brand identity and customer facing comms from a company as revered and respected as Liberty Mutual? Honestly, when I when I came to admittedly, when I came to Liberty Mutual 10 years ago, I thought it would be a layover. But the category is just so interesting. Like um, we're marketing an intangible product. It's required by law. So we're we're not trying to get you to want to buy insurance like you you legally have to. Um, It's super low interest. It's it's basically commoditized at this point. Um, And it's the only product I can think of that you pay for and you hope you never use it. Um, So and it's an, an extremely competitive category on top of that. So all of that in and of itself makes managing an insurance brand challenging, um, but specific to brand identity and customer-facing communications, you know, one challenge in insurance, not just at Liberty, is that you need to consider the wide range of touch points that our category has with consumers, and you need to make sure that the brand has the flexibility um, in those moments. So that doesn't mean you have, you can't have a strong, consistent identity, but we need to be mindful that our brand extends from like a low stakes moment, such as our advertising to a high stakes moment, like a claims interaction where you, you maybe suffered some kind of loss. And it's our job to make sure that the brand can flex in those cir- circumstances while remaining true to who we are. So I think that's a pretty unique challenge to this business, just because it is such a serious business um, at the end of the day, in terms of what the product is actually delivering to market. And that kind of vein of being 
are kind of looking at the business like as a, as a commoditized business. Like, do you do you play into that and kind of subscribe to that? I mean, you could argue it is commoditized. Look at the industry. Look at the competitors. It's everywhere. Or do you try to stay out of that commoditization conversation? Like, what do you kind of how do you balance that? I think it's a both and, uh, you know, I think we have to acknowledge the category that we're in. And, and when you talk to consumers about insurance, they're very clear that they they want a low price um, and they don't want it at the expense of, of good coverage. So they sort of want this idea of value. And I think most consumers see all of the, the carriers the same. And I think we need to be mindful of that. Having said that, I think there's an opportunity because the category sort of all speaks the same language, if you will. I think there is an opportunity to really differentiate. I think there's a lot of white space that hasn't been explored in the category. Mm. Let's talk about the brand a, a little bit more. And as far back as I can remember, I mean, the brand centered on the image of the Statue of Liberty. Um, I assume that this kind of was tied to the idea of maybe freedom of choice and the ability to craft insurance policies around individual needs. I'm not sure. But what was the company's thinking behind using the Statue of Liberty in more humorous ads over the last few years? Yeah, so there's a little bit to unpack there. Like, you know, as I mentioned, we're operating in a relatively commoditized category. So our job is to drive top of mind awareness for Liberty Mutual so that when they're in the market for insurance, we're in their consideration set of who they want to get a quote from. Um, So creatively, we need to develop ads that really break through the competitive clutter so that consumers remember Liberty Mutual and we're, we're doing our job to, to keep Liberty top of mind. Um, you know, if you look at our TV ads, just for example, like we love leverage memorable, humorous moments and characters, and we drive brand linkage via effective brand cues like Lemu and Doug, like our jingle, and intentionally so, the Statue of Liberty, it is in our name, it's in our, it's in our uh, logo as well. Um, so those are all sort of really intentional, trying to get people to remember Liberty Mutual. But we've also embraced humor and entertainment in our advertising and sort of for two reasons. First, we know that it's important to create an emotional reaction for our audience. Um, and we know that humor works. Um, it gets people to remember uh, Liberty Mutual. It gets people our ads to stand out. Um, and we, we've found that creating an emotional connection via humor is effective, you know, more than other methods, even in short form content, you know, in as short as six seconds. Um, The second reason is we believe that if you're going to run the amount of advertising that we do, which is a lot, uh, there needs to be sort of a value exchange with the consumer. Um, They've given up their time, we're disrupting their content. And so we hope that we can give them, you know, at best a laugh and, and at worst a smile. Mm. Was there any kind of pushback adding humor and levity to to the company's symbol, like maybe like potentially like risking the brand authority for customers or kind of has it always been, hey, let's make sure we introduce humor and levity to these things? Yeah, no, this is a good question, too. I I don't know that I would call it pushback, um, but there were certainly what I would call really thoughtful questions um, about whether this was the right thing to do for our brand. And, you know, I mean, this was quite a big departure for us as a brand. If you look back. 15, 20 years ago, we've historically been pretty serious in our advertising. Um, It was coming from more of a, uh, you know, insurance is a serious business and we wanted to communicate that we took it seriously. Like you have all these personal assets and and we're going to do our best to make sure that they're protected and and you get back on your feet in, in the face of a setback. Fortunately, though, at Liberty, you know, we believe in looking at what customers or consumers actually want and need versus 
what we may think they want or need. Um, and, and the way we ensure that, that we stay true to that is, you know, we listen to our consumers via tons and tons of quantitative and qualitative research. Um, and in doing some of that research, you know, we found that consumers want to be entertained, especially in this category. It is a serious business, but people don't want to think about the downsides of using insurance. They sort of want to be distracted from it all. Um, and humor is the best way to create memorable advertising the category. Um, and when it's done well, it won't negatively impact your rep- reputation as a credible, credible brand. And I think that was an important uh, piece of data to share with a lot of our internal stakeholders that there was minimal risk to the brand reputation. Like consumers could sort of make the disconnect, if you will, of, yeah, you're, in, you're advertising maybe, maybe funny and slapstick and a little bit out there, but that doesn't mean that, you know, in, in the moment of need, when I need a claim paid out, you're not going to take care of me. Like they, they can sort of mm-hmm. separate those two things. In terms of measuring the brand reputation, like showing that to stakeholders, what would it was that was that data points you were looking at to say, hey, look, like this actually is not hurting the brand. We're a very data driven company, I will say that. And um, when it comes to our our marketing and advertising, that's no different. So, you know, we have uh, several different brand attributes trackers looking at attributes associated with our brand as well as all of our competitors and. As you know, the category, there's a lot of, you know, competitors who are, are doing even sillier things than I, I think we, we were trying to do. And so um, you can sort of monitor that, like, despite the fact that their advertising might be a little bit out there, they, they weren't seeing any negative impact to any brand attribute. Thinking about just the, you know, the, the touch points of, you know, a consumer that inter- is interacting with Liberty Mutual, Um you know, you have these really great advertisements and they're really funny. They're really memorable. I mean, everyone definitely knows this brand that I know personally. Um, and then, you know, people become a customer, right? And they become, you know, they, they say yes to this and they start interacting with the brand. And I'm just curious of like how much time and attention has gone into making these touch points really matter, right? Because every time someone interacts with the brand, you know this you know, better than anyone. It's like, it really matters if someone's gonna interact you know, with chat or phone or email or whatever they're interacting with the brand. Like it just needs to be sticky and needs to be memorable. What are some of the things that you've seen work really well um, past that kind of top of funnel awareness? Like now they're engaged or they're thinking about you know, making a purchase decision what are some of the things that Liberty Mutual has done to keep that through line of, hey, this is who we are, this is our brand voice, and it's serious business, and let's make this touch point matter? A few things. Uh, if you think about the category, like the way people interact with insurance is pretty infrequent, and that's a good thing, right? Like if you're not using your insurance, that, that means you're not getting into accidents, you're not having any kind of damage to your home. So that, that's awesome. The downside of that is because there are so few interactions, we really need to over-deliver, right? Like you, if you think about how you interact with maybe your bank, it's on a much more frequent um, basis. And so you can be a little bit more forgiving as a consumer if you have a bad interaction. With us, where there's so few and far between, we really need to over-deliver. Um, the good news is customers' expectations are pretty low for insurance companies. And so, um, you know, for us, we've designed all of our experiences to just over deliver. And so um, as we're looking at the online sales funnel, that means, you know, being super clear and transparent. We hear consistently that consumers think insurance is confusing. So to whatever extent we can sort of assist them through that, uh, that online purchase um, process and, and make sure that they understand the certain coverages and they understand what they're actually paying for. Um, that's been like a core principle there, just like clear, transparent communication. 
I would say, you know, one of our values as a company overall is putting people first. That carries through um, the, the, the experience consumers have with our brand as well. Um, you know, I, I, we always tell this story, but like if you call in um, to report a claim, you know, we don't ask you first, like, um, tell me about the vehicle. We would say, are you okay? Or how are you doing? Right? Like we, mm-hmm. we care about the mm-hmm. people first. And so- Mm-hmm. Those are just kind of two two examples of how we, um, you know, optimize the experience beyond just the the marketing piece and really carry through our our, our identity um, into those other experiences. Okay, okay, that's cool. Let's talk a little more about kind of the wider scope of advertising. Obviously, there's the now iconic Limu Emu and his pal Doug, which is. Please YouTube this if you haven't seen these commercials. They're hilarious. Um, who have really become mascots of sorts for the brand. Um, so as an aside, help settle an argument for us internally. Our editor believes that Emu was invented to poke fun at of competitors who might lean a little too heavy on mascots, such as a certain gecko or a guy named Jake. Uh, personally, I think that it's just a, this cool, funny mascot. But who's closer to correct? I love this argument. Um, part of me wants to not answer it because then you'll just keep debating and we'll, we'll be doing our job of keeping liberty top of mind. That's good. But the true story is that, you know, we really wanted to create a, a new brand cue for us that drove that brand linkage. And so um, in 2014, we introduced the campaign we have on air now, leveraging the Statue of Liberty. Again, that, that backdrop was very intentional to keep Liberty, Statue of Liberty, Liberty Mutual top of mind. Um, and in creating uh, these characters, again, wanted to create something that was unique and ownable and would do the job of keeping Liberty Mutual top of mind, but also had the flexibility to be used broadly. Um, so Limu and Doug can pop up anywhere, you know, like they can pop up uh, to assist you in the sales process. They can pop up to assist you in, in any interaction. Um, and so from there, we just left it to our creative partners and and to do what they do best. And so I guess in the case of you versus uh, the other opinion, I would say you're more right. Um, but cool, funny mascot wasn't exactly how we pitched it. Okay. Okay. Um, another, another great, great campaign is, is the young people kind of hanging around the pool doing kind of young people things <laughs> in an ad that was very reminiscent of like kind of 1990s commercials. And how big of a role do like youthful customers play in your marketing strategy? First funny thing about that spot is, um, we were shooting in Toronto and it was very cold that day. So all those young people weren't having so much fun uh, oh, hopping in and okay. out of the pool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, the first thing I would say about having advertising that features, features youthful moments is, you know, everyone is either young or was young at some point. So depending on the execution, you're really going to resonate with a lot of folks using that approach. Um, but more to the point of your question, like, Insurance is unique in that everyone needs it or will need it at some point in their life. Um, it's not like other categories that over-index to certain life stages. So for us, you know, we're, we really are mass market. We really are trying to reach everybody. Um, and we certainly have specific audience that we want to attract more of. You know, if we're going to have a sustainable brand, though, we, we need to always be building connections with people who just entered the, the insurance market or soon will. Um, and we're always looking at how we develop creative design to resonate with certain audiences and how do we make sure that the, you know, based on our media buy, we're getting those in front of of the audiences we're intending. With so many just like home run, like campaigns and spots, I mean, over the years, how do you, because to me, it's like so much creativity flowing from internally, then you have probably some external creative support as well. 
but it's like, you just got to kind of keep, it's like, got to get better. It's got to get, you know, funnier and more engaging. And it's just like, how, how do you kind of balance that? Right. Where you're in such a highly competitive category where there's a lot of really good creativity happening to your right and your left with all of the, you know, the other competitors. And I could see there just kind of being this constant, you know, slippery slope of like, it's got to be more, we got to do more. We got to be better. We got to hot, especially in your space. How do you balance that? Because you've seen great creative, you've seen it land really well. You've probably seen things land not so well. And in your space, you just got to keep hitting, you know, got to keep hitting base hits and home runs to keep being relevant. How do you just navigate that? Yeah, it's funny you actually use that analogy. We talk about that a lot. We need more home runs. Um, but, you, you know, we, like I said, we're a super data-driven company. And so uh, even within our advertising creative, we're, we're putting um, our spots in front of thousands of consumers before we even go down the path of creating it. Um, and so we we know by the time we're on set and shooting any kind of video content, we know pretty pretty confidently that 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 spot is going to perform for us and one thing we we've kept doing over time is just sort of raising the benchmark right like moving the goalpost but obviously like you know it's your point like it's it's not going to be a sustainable strategy i think for us we're just trying to always punch above our weight because uh you know we are outspent to 2x if not more in in the category when it comes to media spend and so we have to think of like very creative ways to to break through all of that clutter, as you as you know. Um, and so, you know, we're we're really rigorous with how we measure the creative effectiveness, and then look at that. And then we've been constantly kind of raising the bar um, to to make sure that we're we're delivering, um, you know, and and getting the results we need. Can you talk about? like the data that you pay attention to most often now, like, and maybe give an example of like in recent time where, you know, maybe there was a metric that you saw decreasing or increasing. And then you as the leader maybe had to step in and go look and address that or talk to your leaders. What's some of the things that you're like paying attention to on a daily, weekly basis in terms of data and metrics now? Like, do you wake up in the morning? Are you looking at certain things where you're like, okay, this is, this is shifting. I want to go look at that. Do you look at it every 30 days and kind of trust your team in between. What does that look like for Jenna? Yeah, I I would say a few things on this topic. Um, Obviously, there are like more long-term metrics that you want to keep an eye on. I would put like unaided awareness in that bucket um, specifically because it doesn't move. Like it's very hard to move the needle on that metric. It's a very slow moving metric. And then there are like more short-term, you know, metrics that you would want to look at. So for us, that's looking at like things like cost per lead or acquisition costs, um, you know, our, our throughput online of the people coming there, how, how many of them are getting through, conversion, all of those like kind of new business metrics. Um, and it, it varies like in terms of how often you're looking at that. And I would say for me as a leader, I try not to be too reactionary, right? Like, cause in the moment you get one number for one month, it's just a moment in, in isolation. And so you really need to look at the long-term trends before kind of making any kind of pivot strategically. Um, but yeah, we're, we're constantly looking at, at, we have access to a lot of data, which is a good thing. And we're, we're constantly looking at it. It sort of depends on whether it's a long-term view or a short-term view, but I think it's important to keep in mind that, you know, you, you, you can't shift the org like every every month because a number says something different. So I think you really need to look at the, the trended view. What or if any tools or technology that you feel like just make your job easier these days to be a modern day CMO? What's something in your tool belt that you're just like, boy, I'm glad this exists for me? That's a good question. 
I would say probably like any communication channel. So like Slack, for instance, is a, is, a, is one okay. we use pretty frequently okay. um, just to have the quick to replicate the hallway conversation. I think it's a, it's a great tool to just, you know, disseminate information pretty quickly. Um, even if it's just an FYI, that feels a little less invasive than, than an email. Okay. So obviously you and the team, you know, have done a tremendous job creating these memorable, really effective campaigns with your own characters. But let's talk a little bit about kind of the partnerships that Liberty Mutual has made with some really well-known franchises like Minions, Spider-Man, to name a couple. How how did partnerships of like this magnitude come to fruition for an insurance company like Liberty Mutual? Yeah, so sort of to the point I was making earlier about punching above our weight, we're constantly looking for ways to insert our brand into pop culture to borrow equity from, you know, well-known franchises. And um, these opportunities presented themselves. Um, it, one was from a, a prior relationship. So the Spider-Man one, we had done business with with some of the folks at Sony in their past lives. And so that's how that one emerged. And for us, we really were looking for iconic sort of well-known, highly recognized IP that we could leverage and sort of attach our brand to where you get that like halo equity from, right? And, you know, um, for us, like it was really important to find a a, a good fit, Um, one that made sense for the brand, one that we felt we could, you know, develop some creative that was true to Liberty and, you you know, you could insert the brand into pretty seamlessly. Um, And and for them, you know, what's in it for them is like that we're promoting their film, right? Like, so we're, we're promoting the franchise. There's, you know, with the Spider-Man ad, you know, it was Lemu and Doug interacting with Spider-Man. We had the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home uh, end card promoting the film. And so in, in a time where, you know, theater going is, is, has uh, declined pretty significantly, like I, I think it was a good opportunity for them to leverage the, the mass market media buyer that we are um, to get more promotion for the film. Do you see Liberty Mutual doing more or maybe this it's already been done, but just more kind of like long form, like original branded content where it's like, this is like a, you know, a documentary or like a short or a series that is more than just like part of the brand. Like this is actually produced, you know, created and, you know, distributed by Liberty Mutual because you have this really cool media, you know, and story component. Is there any plans to go down that way or is that just parking lot, like not, not really worth exploring? I think for us right now, because we're so focused on driving top of mind awareness, we want to, you know, really make sure that the brand is at the forefront. Um, so I would say at this time, we probably would not be exploring something like that where, you know, we would be maybe sponsoring something or, or in the background. Okay. So, you know, when preparing for, for this conversation, we, we heard a very interesting quote that basically said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, it's like, Liberty Mutual has spent a long time getting people to know the brand, but how do we get people to think and feel about Liberty Mutual? How can we become a thing that they love? So the question is like, how do you get people to love an insurance company? Is it experience? Is it reliability, cost savings, all the above? Like what role is marketing playing to make people just love Liberty Mutual? Yeah. So, you know, we certainly need to keep building that top of mind awareness as that's sort of like a prerequisite that's table stakes in this category. Um, And we've done that faster than anyone in the category over the last decade. So that will continue to be our top priority. But, you know, as we do that, we know we need to create a deeper connection with consumers to drive preference and, and loyalty. 
love at scale will certainly be a high bar uh, to clear for an insurance company, um, just due to the fact that it's not a tangible product. It's not something you're interacting with that frequently, some of the things I mentioned before. Um, but that, you know, we know that if we aspire to create that love, there's no doubt that we'll create some kind of stronger affinity with consumers and, and more so than what we have today. And so to create that affinity, um, you know, we're really focused on what consumers want at each moment in the consumer journey and deploying different strategies and tactics based on that. So, for instance, when consumers are shopping for insurance, we know that they care most about getting a good price um, and, and not at the expense of good coverage. So they essentially want a low rate from a credible, trusted insurer. Um, so when we're advertising, we talk a lot about the functional benefit of being an affordable insurer. Um, and we hope that that, help, that makes people say, wow, I think that's a brand for me because they get me and they get what I want and what I want out of this category. I think it's a lot different when we're interacting with our customers. Um, there, like I said, it's about creating experiences that are seamless and really exceed their expectations of an insurer. Um, I think any consumer in any category would want their experience interacting with any company to be easy and seamless. Um, but insurance, when you have just so few interactions with customers and when it's so easy for them to switch to a different insurer because every insurance company is saying, hey, it's so easy to switch, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really criti critical that we over-deliver and exceed those expectations so we don't run the risk of losing customers. Wow. Talk a little bit about Liberty Mutual like culture and employee experience. I mean, look, large organization, over 40,000, 45,000 plus. Is the working environment reflective of this kind of changing brand identity? What's it like kind of in internally um, in terms of culture and experience inside? Yeah, so I, I alluded to one of our um, our core values as a company is put people first. And I think in a category that's undifferentiated, our biggest strategic advantage truly is our people. Um, I think, you know, everybody here is incredibly smart, incredibly empathetic and kind. Um, and, and we're all committed to doing the right thing, putting people first and just being open. Um, you know, I, I'd say we also are very focused on one of our goals as an organization is become uh, the best place to work with a high performing, equitable and inclusive culture where the best talent of all backgrounds wants to come together. So I would say without that strong cultural foundation and working environment, we really wouldn't be able to make our brand continuously better and we wouldn't be able to take it where it needs to go in the future. What's your relationship with just growth and market share now? I mean, look, a decade, almost a decade more in this in the seat in this with this brand where, you know, you have stakeholders and a lot of, you know, there's a, the stakes are high growth and, you know, driving growth and growing and market awareness and all those things. What's your relationship and kind of dance like with growth and just, you know, because today, like you can make things happen at scale relatively quicker than you could in, in times past. And I feel like every year that turns over, there's more technology and more innovation that allows marketers and market leaders to just be faster. So how do you just balance that? Just growing as fast as you can in a large organization that's at this scale when you have stakeholders saying, Jenna, let's go higher, let's go faster, let's go more. How do you balance that? I think what what guides us is our, our CEO talks about this a lot. A lot um, the sort of guiding principles are we operate with integrity first, um, then a focus on profit 
and then a focus on growth. And it's always in that order. And I think that helps ground a lot of those conversations where, of course, everyone wants to be at a company that's growing like gangbusters, but not at the expense of profitability and not at the expense of integrity. And so those kind of guide some of the conversations that that come up around growth. Um, so we're constantly looking at, you know, all the new business that we're writing, like, is it profitable? What's the LTV? What's the 30, 60, 90 day persistency? So we're really monitoring, like, are we bringing the right customers on? And, and we would never sacrifice that just to just to grow. How do they kind of define integrity to, to that work? Like, what is it? What does integrity mean to Liberty Mutual? I think it means many, many things, depending on where you sit. So I would say like, you know, it's it's delivering on our promises to customers. Um, you know, at the end of the day, insurance is a promise, right? You're you're signing up. It's a contract that you're saying, it, you know, if, if something happens to you, to your home, to your car, you know, any of your assets, that we are going to be there for you and we are going to get um, you and, and your home, car, whatever it might be, back up, up and running, up, uh, you know, get you back from this setback. And so I think operating with integrity is just like, really making sure that we're not doing anything that would jeopardize delivering on our promises to our customers. I love that. That's awesome. I love how that's first integrity, profitability, then growth. Like I just think getting that, that order is really interesting. Um, thinking about kind of the future and, and, and where we're headed, I'm, you know, I'm sure maybe your team, like a lot of others across industries and company sizes are, are likely facing you know, budget limitations, kind of doing more with less this year. We've heard that from a lot of our clients where these uncertain kind of economic climate is is going to mean that marketers are really stretched this year. And just you love your thoughts on that. Like, how are you making the most of kind of the resources at your disposal to ensure that your marketing efforts stay consistent in a really interesting kind of uncertain economic climate right now? Yeah. So, I mean, Almost every category, as you said, we're we're definitely feeling the pressure of the current economic environment. You know, um, that's for sure. Uh, for us, our, our media budgets have always been fluid, um, which allows us to shift dollars in real time. We also have rigorous measures in place to ensure that we're getting the most out of every dollar um, so that we know if we put a dollar here, or we put a dollar there, we can sort of evaluate what the return might be. Um, I'd say the current environment has forced us, if anything, to be even more disciplined uh, to be even more precise from a targeting perspective, to ensure that the leads we're bringing on are high quality and profitable for us. It's sort of a, a muscle we always had. I think we, we maybe never had to use it to the extreme degree that we're using it now, but certainly one that will benefit us uh, uh, into the future as well. In terms of just kind of hiring and you know what you've learned about hiring high performers, and, and it's, again, like we, we hit on this a lot, but it's like, to be a marketer and a marketing leader, this is so different. I mean, there's so much at stake, so much happening. How do you kind of approach hiring high performers now? What do you look for? And maybe brag on your team a bit on kind of what you've done to kind of bring these high performers in. We've been fortunate enough where I would say Liberty is sort of a hybrid working environment now um, where we're very pu purposeful with with when and how people come into the office and making sure that they're maximizing the in-person time they have. But of course, uh, we're still heavily remote uh, as, a, as an organization. And I think that's actually benefited us pretty significantly, um, especially in marketing. So if you think about you know our ins an insurance operation, 
if you're a claims leader or someone in claims and that's all you've ever done, you probably are, are only, if you were ever looking for a job, would be at other insurance companies. But within marketing, you know, we're competing with, with every company, uh, you know, in, in the country. And so to be able to not be so restricted to, to Boston talent has unlocked, uh, you know, huge uh, opportunity for us. So we, we've definitely been hiring all across the country, which has brought in, uh, a lot more diverse and um, perspectives to the table, which is a great thing. Um, I would say in terms of like what I am looking for and how that might be different today, because we are that challenger brand and, and we are like trying to punch above our weight, looking for, you know, folks who are a little bit scrappier, folks who are willing to roll up their sleeves, folks who are open-minded in terms of, of, you know, being open to different perspectives and different ways of doing things, but also comfortable enough to, to challenge the status quo. Um, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's great to have different perspectives, you know, coming in and, and, and saying, have you thought about it this way or have you tried it that way? So uh, really looking for those, those things. Mm, that's good. I just, for some reason, I just see your book title. I see your book title, Jenna, punch above your weight with the cover of you <laughs> with some like boxing gloves, like, you know, I'm, I'm a, a CMO's journey through, you know, an ever changing landscape, like punch above your weight. Jenna LaBelle, an unauthorized biography. <laughs> I, did, I, like I, did, I did come up with a few titles for that question. <laughs> okay, good. Awesome. So Jenna, whenever possible, we like to ensure that the insights of our guests provide, you know, scalable insights for businesses of really all shapes and sizes. What advice would you give to a smaller company that's striving to achieve this level of digital transformation for their business? Yeah, I would say two things here. Um, first is really understanding the, the customer, uh, understand their values, understand their expectations, their behaviors. I think if you keep the customer at the center of everything you do, you really can't go wrong. And then two, um, you know, I would say it's funny because I've, I've experienced both the Fortune 100 company, but also the small startup with limited resources. And I would say when your resources are constrained, uh, you have to just be more choiceful and prioritize effectively. Um, I think, you know, a big mistake uh, large companies often make is like, we have this abundance of resources, we can do it all. And it's really hard to tackle everything all at once. I, I think you end up not doing anything well. Um, so I would say do the biggest items first that will make uh, the most impact and add the most value and, and don't do everything all at once. Don't, don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. A lot of good pearls of wisdom there. Any, anything else that you can shift that, you know, in terms of advice, most of our guests have dropped some pearls of wisdom. You just dropped a few, but is there anything else you want to share with our audience of something you've accrued over the years that's really been helpful to you? Yeah, I would say one, one thing I learned, I learned it here is, you know, doing big things requires bringing people along. And I think like any sort of transformation um, is not just about the big idea. I mean, anyone can think of a big idea. Uh, it's really about the process and how it actually gets done. Um, and, and I've learned you need to bring everybody along on that journey because a lot of people have a perspective on whatever it is you might be doing. Um, and it's like I said, it's easy to have an idea, but a lot harder to get it done if you don't bring people along on the journey. I love that. I'm, I'm doing big things is bringing people along with you. And I just, I love that. Make no small plans and bring people along for the ride. Um, awesome. Okay. So what does a successful 2023 look like for Liberty Mutual? And what does a successful 2023 look like for Jenna LaBelle? So for Liberty Mutual marketing, uh, success would be continuing to make Liberty Mutual a household name. 
So driving that top of mind awareness, continuing to execute thoughtful partnerships, inserting our brand into pop culture. Um, and the good news is we're off to a good start there. Uh, Lee, Moo, and Doug were featured on uh, Saturday Night Live a few weeks ago. So that was a, a good start to the year. And then for me, you know, success would be continuing to make Liberty a destination for top marketing talent. I think there I'm, I'm focused on two things. One is just getting out there and telling our, our story, um, our brand story like I am today. Um, and then two, not just building the best brand, but building the best environment for the team to really build the best brand and really thrive. So really focusing on the environment that we're creating. Mm, okay. I love that. Are you ready to get into some lightning round questions to wrap it up? Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Lightning round. Here we go. We have Jenna LaBelle, Chief Marketing Officer of Liberty Mutual in the virtual studio. First question, Skyhawks or Lions? Oh, so this is so tough. I, can I just say the Patriots? Can I can I cop out here and say the Patriots? <laughs> you can. You can. I was wondering because look, I mean, Scott, you have undergrad, grad school mascots and you've got, yeah, the tough, tough one. Um, <laughs> How about this one? Here's another doozy. Emu or Doug? No, this one's so easy. Definitely Doug. So fun fact, I am like very afraid of birds, uh, which is kind of ironic that we have a bird as our as our mascot. But um, yeah, so definitely Doug. This was an easy one. Okay. Okay. What's the funniest thing you've ever witnessed or heard about during a Zoom meeting? So uh, this is a one thing I've witnessed. Um, so I was on a Zoom meeting, probably about 200 people, and it was a very long Zoom meeting. We had like a 15-minute break. Most people just muted themselves, turned off the camera, and used the time to like stretch their legs or refill their water. Um, I was just checking email and then suddenly was like serenaded by someone playing the accordion. And I actually didn't know it was someone playing the accordion. I just heard accordion music. Um, <laughs> and it turns out that like someone in the meeting used the 15 minute break to, to work in some music. And uh, it was totally unexpected and awesome. And then pleasantly surprised that it was an actual person playing. Oh, that's fantastic. What is your least favorite, either business buzzword or marketing buzzword? I think it's it's a business buzzword. It's just a buzzword in general, but like new normal. I really oh. don't like that phrase, new normal. Like it's, <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Uh, and like normal <laughs> is just constant evolution and change and progress of society. So there's like nothing new about that. Oh. Uh. No one's ever brought that one up. That's like that's a really good one. Over you know over two hundred of you know that question being asked. No one said new normal, and that's I like that. Okay, <laughs> if you could use marketing to send a message to the entire world, like billboards all over the world, commercials, you know everything is coming from the creative genius of Jenna. What would it be? What would you share? What would your marketing message be to the world? I think here I would say something, I'm just thinking about like, because it's to the world. So like, what could it be impactful mm -hmm. saying to the entire world? And I think I would say, take care of our planet. Um, and I, I know, you know, views on climate change are often aligned with political allegiances, but as an insurance company, we don't have a political agenda. We just see the data and, you know, I, it, it's a problem. It's becoming worse and it can be fixed in isolation. I don't think we can, can solve it individually. So I would say we need to collaborate effectively across the globe to solve the problem. Love it. What is a movie quote or song lyric that describes your management style? So I picked uh, a movie quote from The Matrix. It's from Morpheus. Okay. And he says, okay. there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And I think 
Um, it's just powerful. I, I love that. I love that quote. And I think for me, it's, you know, it means it's easy to identify what the problems are, uh, but walking the path and solving the problems and making the difficult decisions is, is much more challenging. And, and um, I think that's what's expected of you as a leader. Fantastic. What would be the title of your unauthorized biography? So I actually asked Chat GPT this question um, and was not, was not impressed with the answers. And I, when I went back, oh, it, was okay. at, it, was at, it was at capacity. <laughs> I think I would go with, there's this, this quote I love that is actually on the wall behind, behind um, my screen. Um, go the extra mile, it's never crowded. Um, or a shor- shorter version of that, of the extra mile is never crowded, but something like that. I, I, I think the way I've run my career and I've sort of modeled for the team is just always that you can do anything with perseverance, hard work and grit. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of pedigree you have or what ex- experiences you've had. It just takes going the extra mile. What is one popular thing or activity that you wish you enjoyed more? I think I'm going to say running. Because I've like committed to the last couple of years getting 10,000 steps every day. Um, I'm very religious about it. And some days it's harder than others, like this weekend when it was negative 35 here in New England. Um, and it would just be much easier if I liked running because I could just get it done in half the time. But I, I really hate running. What is the best, maybe one of the best pieces of business advice you've ever received? I think like for me, and, and I know I'm not unique here. I, I know a lot of women suffer at some point in their career from imposter syndrome. And I think the best piece of advice was from a, a female uh, executive here. And that was, you know, there's a difference between knowledge and intelligence. Um, and you have to give yourself some grace sometimes. It's it's not that you're not smart or you don't belong or you can't bring good thinking to the table. It's it's more often than not because you haven't had the experience or the exposure or the context. You just don't have the information and data to be able to contribute, but you will. So like there's a very clear distinction between um, intelligence and, and knowledge. And I think a lot of people, especially women, kind of go to the, oh, I'm not smart enough. And, and often it's more, you just haven't had the exposure or the experience. Now you said chat GPT. So can I throw this one in there? Just what are your thoughts, opinions on chat GPT? It's obviously getting a lot of, you know, a lot of eyeballs right now, but just thoughts on yeah where this is headed and maybe it's utility inside your business or would love your opinion on it. I think it's amazing. I mean, I like I I think it's such a powerful thing that has endless opportunities. I think it's still in its infancy, and we, we've sort of uh, have only scratched the surface there. Um, even thinking about it from you know marketing applications, um, I've I've tried to get a couple scripts written. I've tried to get some headlines written. I think there's a little bit of a learning curve there, but um, you know you can really see kind of the potential of, of a of a tool like that. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, lastly, what items are on your business bucket list? I mean, look, you've already achieved some amazing things in business that many people will only dream of. As you kind of look across the future, like where you're headed and where this brand is headed and just anecdotally, like what what's left on your business bucket list? A few things, if you would share. Yeah, of course. Um, in the short term, I would say, you know, what I want to do here uh, is create a brand that's top of mind, household name that people think favorably of. Um, and I think we're on the path to doing that, but there's still a ton more work to do. Like we're, we're not finished. We're not 
even nearly finished. Um, and I'm totally up for that awesome challenge. I think it, it brings so many unique uh, challenges uh, every single day. And, and I'm really you know, excited to see where we go next. Um, in a future chapter, I, I'd love to start my own business. I, I loved my time working at startups early on in my career. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it'll happen, but you know, would love to contribute something meaningful to the world. I love it. Well, Jenna, this has been a truly insightful conversation. I'm super excited for you, for the brand and where you're headed, where the team is headed, where Emu and Doug are headed. I mean, this is just an exciting time, I think, to be on the Liberty Mutual rocket ship. So thank you for being a part of this this incredible conversation. And let's definitely stay connected. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.